So today I've been charged uh, by the elders to talk about deploy to culture one last time. And if you've been around Red Sea at all, you know that uh, our mission is to draw to Jesus, draw to Christ, and then to develop in community, to be strengthened, to be equipped, to, to find out who we are and what our role and our responsibilities are as God's family. And then we're sent, and we've been calling that uh, deploy into culture, and so we're sent to be uh, winsome in God's people to talk about the most beautiful message that's, that the planet's ever encountered, the most beautiful person, the most beautiful work of Jesus. And so as we do that, as we just saw that video, normally a pastor, a preacher, somebody giving the message would say, here's, here's what this looks like, according to what this has looked like over the history of time, and Here's what this can look like if we were to apply that or have these, this truth uh, implicate our hearts and our actions and our behaviors if, in response to the gospel. We would say, what would it look like if some people loved Jesus so much that they agreed to be with each other in covenant and they agreed to move into their neighborhoods, into their workplaces, into the schools and into the little league fields and into the uh, co-ops and into the swap and plays and, and into the cafes and, and down into Cathedral Park. And, and what would it look like if people would be so devoted to Jesus and to each other that uh, into a neighborhood, what would that look like? And then at the end... I would give suggestions and say, you know, perhaps it looks like this. And then I would be praying all week like, about the audience and, and how you could possibly see it happen. But the truth is, today, we've seen this. We know what it looks like when people who love Jesus go into their community. And I wanted to review a few of the things that have happened over eight years of what it actually looks like. And, and as you're hearing, and some of you will possibly reminisce, and some of you will go, oh, I've never knew that been a part of that, I want you to be inspired to move forward, that God's work is not done, that we are a perseverance of people, that we are saints that are called to continue this. We're continuously bringing the hope to our community, and and how that has happened over the years has been uh, amazing. Why do we do this? Do we do this because we want to do something meaningful with our lives? Do we do this because it's kind of the non-profit Portland thing to do? Do we do this because we are going to bring something or be the heroes of goodness to our community? Why are we doing what we're doing? Why do we gather throughout the week in all of these houses all over this community and cross town? Why do we come here to celebrate? I want you to answer. Why are we doing this? Why are we drawing to Christ and developing in community and deploying a culture? Why? The Great Commission. What's that mean? Right. Yeah. For the love, for the pursuing love. Beautiful. Is is how with this love? So there's a rhythm of the way God has called us into living, according to who we are, right, and according to who He is. See, Jesus has a vision. Just to remind you of the most simplest of things, and and. Uh, sometimes I've apologized for the simplicity of things, and that's ridiculous that God has made it so that we could understand it. But the reason we are who we are and what we're doing is it's very simple. We are trying to live after the same vision that Jesus lived and completed and finished, which is to seek and save the lost. And we're motivated by this abiding love that, that 
as the Father loves Jesus, Jesus loves us with that same love and empowers us through the Holy Spirit, that we're motivated to glorify the Father, that we're, our job is to seek and save the lost. No matter what you're doing, your life is about having the role and responsibility of being a saver. If you look throughout the story of God, you'll see that these people, these yahoos, these people who walk across bridges or build boats or, or go into neighborhoods that they don't even necessarily want to, the tension that you're in and as God calls you to something, His plan is to use your life through His power and of, of the salvation of His Son offered to this world to show people that, that they can be saved that they can be redeemed, that peace can come to their heart. This is God's plan, is to use us. And I, I, sometimes I hear seek and save the lost. The lost, that sounds weird. Nobody wants to admit they're lost. That's a really weird label. But Jesus says that He is the way. If, if He is the only way, and we're living our lives any other way, then we're lost. And sometimes we're apologetic to bring direction to our friends. It's one thing that you've been made to be a human being, that you're an image bearer of God, that you're you're a reflection of who He is just as you are. But it's another thing to be commanded to be a human doing. As she said, that there's the Great Commission that because of your identity, you're sent out with all of this authority that God has placed on your life to go be a part of the world being changed. Let's read that. Let's go to Matthew uh, 28. And if you don't have a Bible, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures today. But Matthew 28, 16. It says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they first saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. I love the honesty there. Meeting Jesus on the mountain. He's resurrected, and they're still doubting. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations. The word ethnos. All ethnic backgrounds. All people groups. The whole world. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name. Giving them a new identity. Baptizing them so they're immersed in this new name that is of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. See, mission is always done in community. That's just the way it's done. The Father demonstrates that to us. We see that through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. It says, teaching them to observe or obey all that I've commanded. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So what would it look like if people were called and empowered to go preach the Gospel? Preach the good news. I'm going to say the word Gospel a lot if this is something that you're unfamiliar with. What I mean when I say Gospel is I mean the person, the work, the nature of a person. So when I'm actually going to say the gospel, that's all reconciled. That all means through the mission and the life and the power of who Jesus Christ is. So I'm going to say that word probably a lot. And if you've been coming here, you've heard that word a lot. And if you're going to continue being a part of this mission, you'll always hear that word because that's what's central to us is who Jesus is, what he did for humanity, for the earth, for mankind, in His renewing power. That's what I'm talking about. And so if we were to be instructed by Jesus, the Gospel, to live the Gospel, to live like Him before, and to be commissioned out, right, anointed to go do so, what would that look like? And what that's looked like so far here at Red Sea is that many of you have come to Christ. 
What that looks like is at the very beginning of the garden, we see this physical connotation of be fruitful and multiply, and we see how that's translated through the whole story. Yes, physically, but spiritually, there's new reborn babies. There's people that are born again and, and have new creation. And today, what's today? Today, we, it's commonly called Sabbath. Especially in Judaism, it would be the Sabbath. It's, it represents or it commemorates where God created the earth in six days and then rested on the seventh. And then we also, as Christians, we take the whole storyline and we go, it's, it's the Lord's Day. It's where Jesus took six hours and completed and finished the work of the cross and then died and was dead. And we honor Him on this day. And so, when we come together, we celebrate what God has done in us. Will you, just, will you stand up if you've come to Christ at Red Sea? If you've come to know the Gospel of Jesus Christ? Hundreds have come through these doors and been trained and, and sent out. These are people that have joined the family of God, and some of you have come here knowing Christ. But Red Sea has been a place that's been so full of God's presence that the gospel is continuously changing us, that we're continuously knowing more about God and the way that He works. We've watched whole families come to Christ. We've watched men and women, and we've watched children. Five of my seven children have been in the family and watched Jesus ricochet through the lives and his message become true to them, and they were baptized. I'm grateful to the family. I'm grateful to the way that God sets it up for us to live together. We've had people, we've had drug dealers from this neighborhood come to Christ. We've had many prostitutes come to Christ through this work. We've had people with all sexual orientations. With, um, we've had people who are, are greedy and yuppie and brown and yellow and red and white and black. We've had people come from every socioeconomic uh, pathway Every channel of culture has come through this very little, supposed to be forgotten neighborhood to find Jesus Christ. Here you are with Jesus Christ, and God once again is wanting to commission us this morning through the Holy Spirit as Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on those, right? Apostello. For those that were sent. It has always been God's heart. It's called the Missio Dei, where God is ascending God. We are now the, the holders of salvation. You have salvation. You have all of the riches and the goodness and the plan of God written on your heart and now it's been confirmed through the message and now you are empowered to go speak through your whole life holistic, right? Right? That God is addressing our whole life, all of the issues, all of the tension, all of the hostility, all of the sin, that by the redeemed blood of a slain lamb, we are wiped clean. And you know that. And you know that forgiveness is at the table every week, all of the time, through communion with Jesus. What is that going to mean for us as we begin to live this out, will there be more stand-up next year, eight years from now? Is, is Red Sea supposed to discontinue? Or do you have a vision for the gospel of who God wants to continue to be and speak to within the darkness of this culture? Do you have that in your heart? Or are you feeling like you're going to give up because one family or a few families are going to continue the same mission will you be committed to each other or is or is this this stop on the bus because 
I don't think that God is done speaking to the margins of Portland. I don't think God is done reaching out to this neighborhood. And he wants to use you, church, as the instrument of that mission. Years ago, one of my favorite moments in Red Sea was a a First Nation, a Native American woman named Diane. Diane was tough. Her kids were tough. And Diane came in, and I can remember the way that Diane would sit in the chairs when we were over on Smith Street, when we bought that little building and fixed it up. She would come in there, and she might have her coffee, and she had a few friends that she felt safe around, but she would sit there, and she would listen. And as the, the, the word was washed over the people, and as, as the blood of redemption, and people were coming to Christ, and we had what we called the James Brown hot tub, where everybody was getting baptized, it was hallia. And it was awesome. We brought this bad hot tub into the building, and all of these people were getting baptized in it, and Diane would watch them. And one day, Diane came in, and she didn't want to say anything to anybody because she was strong. Diane's house had burned down the night before. And Diane sat in those chairs and she watched people all morning long come around as we put a paint on the stairs. She watched people that she thought she didn't know drop money for her. And instead of just dropping the money, they all went to Diane and they hugged her, and they loved her, and they kissed her on the forehead, and Diane didn't know what to do until Diane was finally broken down to the point where Diane said, I see Jesus in this, and Diane was baptized. And then guess what? There's hardship in family. Diane got cancer, and Diane died And her son went to jail. And I've only been been able to be in contact with her daughter, who's who's known gangster, a couple times. And do you remember Josie? You don't, most of you. Josie started to come to Red Sea, and Josie began to reconnect with Jesus. She worked at Blue Moon Photography. And Josie started up again and started to allow herself to be a part of the family. And then one Mother's Day, she was going up in Washington and her car broke down the side of the road and she was looking inside of the engine and a car came and hit her car and essentially killed Josie. Then there was Clarence Clarence had never been loved his whole life. He grew up in an orphanage, and he would talk about the reason that he got put at the orphanage is that his mother would throw him against the wall. And then he remembers being in the orphanage and, and people take from him and him having no stability. And, and when you met Clarence, he was cantankerous. That's a nice word for Henri. And he believed that, he thought Red Sea meant that everybody would split for him. (laughs) He had never been loved by people than the way he was loved at Red Sea. He was a 62-year-old, hard-working ex-convict most of his life addicted to heroin. And he started to call me father. And I said, why are you calling me father? We're not Catholic. (laughs) He says, you're the only one 
ever treated me like a child that is loved. And then his body broke down, and my son Zachary and I sat in his hospital room while he died. And all of the half-dead people that I talk about physically half-dead, when Russell and his crew started Upper Room, and every Thursday, 60 people, dignity, we would serve them peace. And most of all, we would serve them very clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget walking up one day and seeing Miranda out here on the pavement sliding her body raw because she was coming down and tweaking off the heroin and completely raw and starting to bleed and knowing that there was a place for Miranda. And Russell made a place for her one time when he found out she played guitar and he said, would you play a song Swap and play. The Children's Relief Nursery. Portsmouth School, which is now Cesar Chavez. James John School. The Del Monte Raids. When they tore families apart because of their, their immigration status. And they sent fathers back to Mexico. Or Guatemala. When James Jahar Perez was shot by a white cop on Fezzedin, who was the church? A very odd white church in the middle of a black and white issue. Who got to bring the words of justice and freedom? We did. We saw our community be angry. We saw them sad. Weeks after that, we saw a little boy get hit by a drunk driver on Pheasant and not a block away from where James Jahar Perez and the little boy lost three fingers. We got to be the people there. This is who we are. This is what God has sent us to do. Is be the people that would pull a chair up beside somebody who's in pain even while you're still being healed by Jesus in your pain. The first four years, we probably bought 20 houses in this neighborhood and fixed them up. The church started in my living room and then went to Northminster Presbyterian on Greeley and what was Portland Boulevard. We bought our first building. We were in the theater. People know this church all over this community. And then God gave us this. We've been blessed by God. On one Sunday, somebody dropped a $60,000 check one time when we needed it badly because God knew we needed it badly. And then we were able to take that and send a tithe up to Bremerton, up to Seaside, to help their planting efforts. On one Wednesday, when we had $127 in the bank, out of nowhere, $100,000 was donated to us. We had a, a girl whose arm was broken, and we prayed for her arm to be healed. Her arm was completely, 100% healed that moment and went to her UPS job the next day and lifted boxes if you, want, if you needed proof. God has healed marriages, fear, so much untrust. I didn't know that untrust was that big of a commodity. But by the truckloads of untrust and of dysfunction junctions of our marriages, of our hearts, of our discriminations, of our skepticisms of being God's family, 
God has prevailed and healed and spoken His authority more times than we can count. Yet, we forget and we go back to hostility. We go back to division. We go back to why not? Why I don't have to be commissioned why I don't have to obey the great commandment of loving God and of loving our neighbor. I alluded to it earlier. Do you have a vision, Red Sea, for this community? For this community? For St. John's? Do you see yourself stepping further into the mission? Because I can guarantee you it's a riot. I can personally tell you you will never regret one dime you put into this, one moment, one phone call, one cup of coffee, one time that you're preparing your heart by reading the Scriptures, one time that you know you have so little to offer, in fact, nothing, that all you can do is pray, and God goes, as though you were completely qualified, He speaks completely through you. Will you step forward and move into the priesthood that God is calling you to? Or is this a Sunday that you showed up because you wanted to see some guy cry in front of you? Will we weep for this city the way Jesus did for Jerusalem? You know, when we have felt over time pitiful, when we have felt like we didn't have enough money, when we felt like we didn't have enough people, God gave us the provision. God gave us good pastors. He gave us good men and women to lead. He made us a family. There's one thing that's been hitting my heart all week long. I want to take you there. Go to John 20 with me, would you? I want to talk about how we lose peace at times and how I believe... Peace is a key component to us continuously serving God and seeking His glory and not ours. I want to remind you that we've sent people to Juarez, Mexico. When Judy Preston gave her testimony, women were coming out of their houses to hear the good news. We went to Brooklyn, New York, and it was comedic as we were there. We were in this tiny apartment in Bed-Stuy, and there was a ton of us just crammed on top of each other as three Muslim families let me share the gospel of Christmas to them. We've sent people to Kabul, Afghanistan, to Baltimore, Maryland, to plant churches, to Bremerton, Washington. We've got to send... People to St. Louis, we've got to send everywhere. And God also brought them from New York and Missouri and California and Texas and Maryland. Do you, are you hearing this story? This story continues. This story goes on. This story has always been going on. This is the story of people who humble themselves before a king so that he can continue to advance his word and his beauty and his goodness among the dark and broken world. Today's not my last day preaching here, by the way. I let Jada write that on there. 
on the Facebook. You're not gonna, we don't get rid of each other. It's not I'm leaving and I put a two-week notice in it. It's we're family. And some of the family's leaving to go to Ventura. Because you want to know why? Because we've always tithed. We've always taken the first fruits of what comes throughout the week and at gatherings and what happens in the missional communities and happens out on mission field and in the cafes and where we earn money and God brings us provision. We always send money and people out. That's who we are. Uh, Do you have the slide that says seed? That's not the best picture of it, but that's the church that we're going to plant in Ventura. The reason it's called seed is my grandfather was an avocado and orange farmer in Ventura. And God reminded me as my grandfather planted seed, I'm going to go plant the gospel seed with other family members. New family members. A different legacy than my grandfather's, but one of my father. Will you be praying for us? Did you know that God sold our house without us putting a sign in the dirt? Where you're supposed to have your house. Yeah, God gets praise. That's a pretty novel, cool thing to do. Uh, we got a full price offer on our house when houses are supposed to be six months and you get lowballed. But God decided to put some believers in there, some people that know Him. I hope you'll get to know them. I hope it won't be odd when they have 60 people knock on their door and welcome them to the neighborhood. We're going to try and find a house next week in a market that is going to cost us $200,000 more. We're leaving a neighborhood that has a median income of $43,000 per household in this neighborhood to a neighborhood that has an average household income of $98,000. Do you think God could overcome those little numbers? Are we in for the adventure? Are you in for the adventure? Are you ready, me, to send up a little video that's going to introduce you to the first people through seed that will come to know Jesus Christ? Are you anticipating that? Do you have that vision for here? You know what my vision is? I want to come back here and not know most of the people because they're new to the family. But I think what we're about to read is imperative. So, John 20, verse 19. I will tell you this is the last time I'm going to use this Bible to preach by because I am old and cannot read this. I'm like, hey, yeah, that's what's happened in 10 years. I got off the bridge and became blind. Okay, it said this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Okay, so here's what's happened. Jesus has died. They're freaking out because the culture is now full of doubt. The culture is probably saying all kinds of terrible things about who they just said, I'm putting all my chips on Jesus. There's people that are, that, there's hostility going. To give you an idea, they're meeting on a Sunday night with the Sabbath things that we talked about earlier, and they're there being the family. They met on Sunday nights, and, and there they are in this house, and they're sitting there, and they're full of fear. They're full of fear because they're like, well, the leader left. And on top of that, it was a real crappy feeling because as he was leaving and as we saw him dying, we betrayed him. We denied him. And now what? What's going to happen? And so it says, well, Jesus came and stood among them. 
By the way, the first line said, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. He picks the lock. He walks through. He didn't pick the lock. He just shows up, right? And said to them, here's, here's the key. Here's what today is all about. Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. See, you know all those questions. Is this you, God? Is this you talking to me, God? Do you really want me to have peace, Lord? Do you want me to be healed, Lord? Can I have a disposition that lacks hostility? Lord, really? Is it you? And he shows them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. He goes on to talk about this talk with uh, the next day to Thomas, who wasn't there at that first time. And so he comes back to where Thomas is at, and we all know doubting Thomas. And Thomas is continuing the doubts, even though all of his friends said, hey, we saw Jesus, and he breathed the Holy Spirit on us, and it was a killer time. It was amazing. And he's like, yeah, right, when I see it from my own eyes, dog, whatever. And so he's sitting there, and Jesus comes in, in Thomas's presence, and here's what he says. I'm just going to sit down. He says, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. Oh, eight days later. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen believed. Peace. Let's go to Romans 5.1. This is what's God's telling me to leave you with peace. Peace be with you as you're sent. Have you ever seen Christians that don't have peace? Have you ever seen Christians that are trying to follow the person, the work, and the nature of Jesus through politics? Have you ever seen trying to run uh, the life that God supposedly gave them through their grid and through their control and through their power? It leaves for a hostile people. Is your vision as you are the sent people of God with the Holy Spirit to stand on a corner with a megaphone and to knock it out? Is it to get on a bike and put some name badges on and go uh, harass people? What is He sending us to do? What kind of people is He sending us to be? In Mark 1, He says the kingdom is near. Jesus is saying, the kingdom is here. When I'm here and I'm in you and I love you, like John says, I love you the way the Father loves me is the way I love you. As we ricochet that love all over the place, as I'm sending you with the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to be at peace. Because to be sent people and to be hostile and to be full of worry isn't what being an ambassador for me is about. Right? In Luke 9, Luke 9, Luke 10, I think it's Luke 9, he says, he sends 72 out, and he says, go and put the peace where peace needs to be. Don't let peace be compromised. This is what I've come to talk to you today about, is peace. Do you have peace? I've watched people worry around me. I've watched people have tons of anxiety. Is God great? Are we trying to be in control of our situation and the way it's all going to work out? Do you have peace in your relationships? 
Do you have a situation right now that is causing you to not have peace? Are you worried financially? Is the economy push and squeezing out hostility or discord? When you're talking to your spouse, married people, do you lack peace? Is peace present with you? Is your identity held by God? As God sends us out, we are to be peacemakers and reconcilers. And here's what it says in Romans 5.1. It says this, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace. See, remember, we started out hostile against God. We were enemies of God. But now, because of God and His plan, has justified us. Because He's justified us, He's reconciled the whole situation, you now have peace. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained across, I mean, access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. Peace be with you. Peace not found anywhere else. Not found in uh, really great Facebook messages. Not found by how many friends you have. Not found by how big your bank account can be. Not found through anything temporary like your status at work. Peace. Not found in a human relationship. This is a commodity that comes only through Jesus Christ because He's justified you by the blood of Jesus at the cross and of the work of salvation through Calvary. That you are hostile and your sins produce enmity between you and others and mostly God. You cannot be at peace. If this is the first time for you ever to hear this, peace comes at a cost. Peace is not available unless there's sacrifice. Jesus Christ was the sacrifice to bring harmony to your life. Are you hearing me? Jesus Christ was sacrificed at the cross for your sin. All of the things that put you in between people. Every broken relationship between God and others. Everything that's wrong with this planet that we produce. God has a solution and will cover that and forgive you of your sins so that you may have peace. Do you want to be forgiven and do you want to accept this gift of peace? I really want that for this neighborhood. The work is so unfinished. There's so much peace to be proclaimed. There is so much. How beautiful, the Scripture says, are the feet of those who preach the Gospel. How beautiful are those who come walking into a town preaching and proclaiming the power of peace. It says, peace be. Be becoming. Absorbing God's what He's given you. When, when God breathes His Holy Spirit on the disciples, do they all... Breathing a little heavy in here. Absorb that. Sit in peace by God's justification of you and His reorientation. He's exchanged righteousness for our filthy rags. He's taken us and cleansed us. What will you do with that? Will you be empowered to go, I will walk in peace. Be That's the human being. Like, Will you become what God wants you to become? Do you know that it's already been finished? What we see in God's work, in His mission, in the way that Jesus was sent, that He completed everything. It's a matter of us by faith walking into it. If you're more concerned with your sins that He's already discarded, that we read on Psalm 103 that said they're as far as the east is from the west, that He's not treating you badly. When Jesus went into where these disciples were, He didn't bust in and go, betraying me, huh? 
What gives? I got some major beef with you guys. He doesn't treat us as we deserve it. Are you listening to me? You get peace for free. You've had hostility and sin in your life and you've had it with each other. I'm going to stop right now. I want you to think about those you are discounting. I'm talking people. Who are you not giving the time of day to? Who are you lacking harmony? Who are you gossiping about? Where is your discord with this body and this family? The Gospel calls us to reconcile and look through the powerful Gospel lens of peace. Who do you not have peace with in here, brothers and sisters? You are being called to that, to the repentance. That's what Billy did at the very beginning of this to say, we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Nothing's going to happen. We will not be fruitful and multiply unless that's in keeping with repentance. We must be a repentant people. Otherwise, if you're holding on to your sins and your grudges and your stuff, you are not experiencing peace. You're not allowing the sacrifice of Jesus to provide that peace to you. You will never get peace without Jesus. But it is available to you. Will you let God provide you peace? I know I'm going forever. Peace be with you. With, it's the Emmanuel principle, that God's saying peace is going to be there with you to the end of the age, that God's presence, His peace that He provides you, isn't going anywhere. See, that's what we do. We, we hoard it. If something great happens, we go, oh, I want to stay in this moment. This is so killer. That's what the world's doing. They're going back to the bar looking for the same hookup because they thought that was so killer or they want that same buzz off of that same drink. Oh, you know what drink I'm having? Or you know what party I'm going to? Or you can, this is me and my posse because we're always about fun. We're trying to find and repeat the same thing over and over again and God's going, you know what's better than all of that? Than riding with your posse? Than being as hard or as cool as as hip or as whatever label you want is peace. And do you know the peace that I'm giving you surpasses all of your understanding? You'll never figure it out. There's no matriculation of how you're going to make yourself happy. But I'm bringing joy, son. I'm bringing it all to you through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. There is a price to pay for this peace. But that that price will not be paid by you. I'll treat you the way that you do not deserve. I will not with wrath, I will instead justify you and elevate you and bring you into my family. How do you feel about that? Through Jesus Christ, you have peace and it's never going away. Absorb the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be breathed upon you now. God is alive. Jesus is at the throne. He has set this in motion. Will we be those people that receive that peace and walk out of here and go live peaceful lives? You are not at peace. And neither am I. One of my sons is helping me work yesterday. I'm pleased with him. My one son refuses to work. I became unpleased with him. And I was in sin because I lost my peace. I did not operate as a father from peace. I did not say, let's work this out. Let's talk. What are the scriptures about our behaviors? Instead, I became hostile to him. I gave him a look like he didn't matter. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Our Father does not do that to us. He does not look at you like you do not matter. He looks at you with peaceful, loving ambitions for your life. He wants you to be at peace. He wants you to know who you are and how secure you are. And He's never leaving. It's not negotiable. Peace is not negotiable in God's book.
be at peace and know that God will supply you everything you need. He is sufficient. You still don't believe? God forgave me yesterday. When I went to him and I said, I've hurt my son. I stole his peace. I hijacked it. And then I went to my son's bedroom at 11.30 because I wasn't going to go to sleep that way. And I apologized to my son. And he had peace. He had peace. I was able to give him peace through repentance because we counted the cross as great. And we boasted only in that. We said, because of this, God can reconcile our situation. What seems to be unreconciled in your life? Where are those broken pieces that God wants you to have peace? I've got written down another Romans piece that I... I'm going to go to Ephesians 2. two fourteen. It says, For He Himself is, is our peace. See, the Gospel is peace. If we don't have peace, or we're living in so many areas that have hostility, we're not living the Gospel. We're not having the Gospel. We're not receiving the Gospel. The Gospel is peace. And it says this, For He Himself is our peace. So when you're in Jesus, you have peace. When you're not in Jesus, you don't have peace. Okay? For He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. See, when we're fighting with Jesus, so when we're disunified, right? That picture of being singular, of individual. He says... Jesus has crushed every barrier in order for us to be one with Him by making peace. And He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Well, peace be with you as the Father has sent the Son, and the Son sends the Holy Spirit in conjunction with, the conjunction word, as. So as the Father sends the Son, in the same way as you're being and becoming and you're absorbing and receiving the peace of the cross of Jesus, as that's happening to you, you will go out in that same way. And you will be the one who is sent and here's what people should see. When we go out to share Christ before His return, and we understand that it's a doing and a being, that we understand that it's holistic and we're sitting in peace and in the authority of God, and we understand that the Father has architected this before time and that we're walking into this, what will we see? Well, what we see in Jesus is we see the character of God and when we receive the peace, God can work things out in our lives and people will see the character of God in you. He will put you so at peace that He will begin to work and transform your life through this Gospel. See, that's what's happened here. The reason today's somewhat special and I feel shy about admitting that there's a piece of my story here because there would be a tendency to not want to be the center of anything today. But what I want to boast to you about is the work that you've watched Jesus Christ do in my life right in front of you. That I started out an angry and hostile and rebellious preacher. 
that I used to yell at the top of my lungs and I'd go outside and scream the gospel to people. I'd throw chairs. I'd step on chairs. I'd burn stuff in, in uh, garbage cans. I would have us write on the walls. We would do all these things. And creativity's cool. But the deal is, is you watch this transformation happen to one of your brothers in front of you. We've lived together through that story. And now we have three guys that are preaching and teaching. And we're going to live it through their stories. And then you're going to come up and we're going to live it through your story. And it's not all going to be done in the gathering. It's going to be done in our houses more and more and more. It's going to be done out in the harvest field. But God's calling us to allow His work to change our character. And we saw the perfect perfect character of God in Jesus. And here's the other thing people will see when we are the sent people. They'll see His kingdom. They'll see His kingdom come. They'll see a new economy. They'll see the way that you live your life and they'll go, that's far different from anything I've ever encountered How is it that you're living that way? And the thrust of that is called faith. You will live out things that only God could manifest in your life. Do you want an adventure? Then live by faith and let God build the bridge in front of you. Let God bring the things that He says He wants to bring. Will we allow God to do all of the work? Okay. Where are we to go if we have this peace, and that he says, as the Father sent the Son, and the Son sent the Holy Spirit, and you're the church and the instrument to be out with this message, and beautiful are your feet as you go from town to town, and as you bring this peaceful message, where are you to go? You're to find dark places. A few years ago, I ended up in a house about eight blocks from here that was a heroin house looking for somebody, and some of you know this story but I found myself in one of the darkest places I've ever been on the planet. A couple, about 11 months ago, I was in India in the slums and was being spiritually oppressed by these guys that didn't believe in Jesus. But God calls us to the darkness. Where is that darkness? Is it the cubicle next to you at work? Is there such darkness coming from that person that God's calling you to get involved with their life? God calls us to the darkness. He calls us back to Himself over and over again so He can repeat what freedom is to us. You're called not only to have peace, but you're called to be free. And you're called to serve all without discrimination. I've watched over the years many people come to this gathering and choose not to ever come back again. And I've heard them literally tell me because of where we're located. Is it inconvenient who God located next to you as your neighbor? Is it inconvenient who your coworker is? Or is it God's purpose? Is it His ambition? Okay. I want to read John 15, 9 to you as we close. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. 17.26 says this. I made known to them Your name, and I will continue to make it known, this is Jesus, that the love with which You have loved Me may be in them and I in them. As we think about continuing our mission here in St. John's in Portland, Will we remember how loved we are? That we were so loved that Christ's body was sacrificed for us to have peace, 
Do we really believe in God's kindness and His gentleness? And do we believe that His grace and mercy are treating as us as though we don't? Are you aware of your sins and are you stoked every time God wipes the slate clean? Well, some of you today for the first time heard that peace costs, that it's sacrifice. There's no peace unless there's a sacrifice. And in a few minutes, some of you may be new, you're going to see people who follow Jesus, who have been sent into the world, who have experienced many things and and who sometimes are in tension and sometimes have hostility, like I talked about between me and my son. Sometimes in our real relationships, we see that we have sin and brokenness, and it's not as though God is present. And what you see here is you see a reunion. A reunion of what we believe. See, peace is available to those who believe this. That one loved you so much. That one wept over the sinful state of humanity. The sin-riddled depravity that we all don't need to be told exists. We're very aware of the darkness. But one came and walked the earth and spoke words and even predicted that he would die in such a manner as to fulfill what the prophets, people had said 700 years before about him and the beating that he would endure for those who did not have peace, for those that had hostility towards God and other people, for us when we've shined God and His story, when we discount each other, when we gossip, when we literally hurt each other, when we ignore each other, one came to reconcile all of that, to bring harmony and peace to the planet. He was crucified and put on a cross, and His blood was shed. And the Scriptures say that it is the power of that blood that reconciles us back to peace. Today, maybe it's your first time that you believe that Jesus is the Christ that He is who He said, that He finished the mission of rescuing us from our sins, from evil, from Satan. And those who believe that and know that they're knee-deep in that every week come here and they ask for forgiveness. And then we celebrate. And the reason we sing these songs is because God once again has brought salvation to us. He saved us again from the mess that we got in this morning, yesterday, all week long. So will you come? And perhaps it's your first time that you've heard what this is called good news, that you could be rescued and have a brand new life, that what God created, even though it was spoiled in the garden through sin, that Jesus recreated through the cross. If today is your first first time understanding this message and you want Christ, then as people are coming up here, just discreetly, not to point you out, but would you come here? Because I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to welcome you to salvation. I'd like to welcome you to relief. I'd like to welcome you to a family. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. I thank you so much for today, God. I thank you that once again you get to be proclaimed as the hero of our story, of our church, of our families, and of our marriage, and of our lives. And God, we want to exalt you. We want to worship you in light of the, the, what's happened at Golgotha, what happened at the cross. What happened was that you died and you took on our sins, and that you were buried, but that you were raised again, and that you conquered death. There's no sting of it, and we don't have to be afraid to die. We don't have to be afraid to live. Some of us are afraid. We're fearing life itself and all of the circumstances that have become barriers and oppressive. 
And so, God, you've given us this blasting joy because we've watched your power. And Holy Spirit, you've spoken to our hearts. And our response will be to come to this table and, and seek forgiveness that we would repent of our sins. That we would say, we have not been right with you, God. We've been hostile and without peace for a long time. And some areas continue to haunt us. But Lord, would you... Please forgive us of not living your ways, of not loving you or our neighbors. But Lord, would you forgive us? And through that forgiveness, that you would send us out again as though we did nothing? That you would give us a fresh start? That we would live by grace and continue to see the evidences year after year after year? And pretty soon there's a legacy of your forgiveness that has bore much fruit. And we've watched many people have their lives changed, God. So Lord, I just thank You for Your power. I thank You that You've set it all in motion. I thank You that we get to today be together. I thank You that we get to be together tomorrow and the next day and on into eternity. And so Jesus, for those who believe, they receive peace. And Lord, I pray that many would want that peace today. We love You so very much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at